Well, we are really getting off to a hot start here. I realize I, there's there's something I had one last thing I had to do here. I'm just trying to think about what my plan was. <laughs> was it to talk about Halloween? We don't have to talk about this movie either. I, I did watch it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the shortest podcast ever from from the DMC podcast. There is there is one scene I liked in it. Wait, wait, can we like start the podcast? Just to... yeah, let's let's start the fucking podcast. We Come are on. podcasting. Come on, <laughs> you guys, we should start the podcast. <laughs> fucking start the podcast. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to the movie DMC podcast. Is that what we're called? The movie? Oh, sorry, DMC movie. <laughs> you know, we had a fucking name change and it threw me. All right. Uh. <laughs> wow. Hey everybody, welcome to the DMC Movie Podcast. DMC stands for Dave, Marks, and Colin. What's up, guys? How you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you, Dave? Just great. Colin, we always like to hear how you're doing. <laughs> I know. Everyone's always wondering. Yes, I'm great. I'm wonderful today. Great. and I'm, I'm so excited and thrilled to talk about our movie today. Yes, it's a very exciting movie. We uh, decided that we wanted to stay in the Halloween theme and maybe watch a couple of horror movies during the month of October, and we actually landed on another Halloween sequel. So before we jump to the, the specifics around this movie, I'm curious, guys, why have we discussed five movies in the Halloween franchise so far? <laughs> I don't really know, because I, I, I've, I've clearly stated in the past that I really only like the original. Right, no. I blame you. Uh, yes, I think blaming me is the, the right move on that one. I am a fan of the franchise, but um, am I a fan of this movie? That's going to be an interesting question. I, I think the quick answer is probably not really, but we'll see what happens. For the podcast we did in the, in the Halloween series, so we did Rob Zombie's original remake, which I think was... 2007. Uh, we also covered the new Halloween trilogy, so if you want to go back and listen to those podcasts, those are actually a lot of fun. We have some good energy, and we're mostly screwing around because you definitely don't want to take those movies seriously. And nor should you take the one that we're going to talk about today. In fact, I'll just go in with a warning up front, which is, I would say that um, you probably shouldn't watch this movie. <laughs> is, is that a fair recommendation? What do you think? Yeah, that's my closing thoughts. <laughs> I, I would probably advise against it. Yeah. So after previously discussing Rob Zombie's remake of Halloween, we decided to take a look at the sequel and have discovered what happens when you give Rob Zombie a decent budget and unlimited creative freedom. From 2009, let's talk about Halloween 2. He's dead. You've witnessed the birth of evil. Are you a giant? Now, the secret behind his madness will finally be revealed. Only a river of blood can bring us together again. Evil is here. It's walking amongst us. Michael is more evolved. Rob Zombie completes his extreme vision of a terrifying legend. Kill her, baby. So here's my opening question for you guys. Just thinking about this movie... And your reaction to it and, you know, what you were looking for, what you were not looking for. If this movie had no Michael Myers mask, had no connection to the Halloween universe, and if it was simply called The Malevolent Drifter, 
Would you like this movie better? <laughs> no. No. I don't think it's a good movie at all. There's a lot of very confusing parts of it. I do not want to live in Rob Zombie's world. There's a lot of just like despicable people. There's a lot of. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say in my summary. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. It, people are disgusting and gross. You got to look at the naked chick. Man, she was F I N E five. <laughs> yeah, she still looked fresh. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a story about a couple of meat wagon boys fucking corpses over in essence. They never had the urge to open. They're just not people you want to be around ever. Just as a standalone Halloween movie, or just as a standalone horror movie, it's just still like kind of gross and disgusting and just not much story to it. The characters aren't really developed. Everyone's just completely weird, just weird people. Like, I don't know. It's just so hard to explain. I think it's very mediocre horror movie. It's it's like if you want like gruesome and gross and kind of like nasty, you kind of get it with this, but it's not not a good story and not well thought out at all, I don't think. I agree. It sort of reminds me of an like an 80s slasher film that really went very heavy on the gore and the violence. But also the director thinks he's like being a like really artful, but it just turns out to be an pretentious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I I yeah, if you just take away the the mask, I would never say that this is a Halloween movie. My opening thought was the horror movie versus a Halloween movie. If you're evaluating this as a horror movie, like say there was no connection to the Halloween franchise, kind of the John Carpenter universe, all of the tropes and the things that you're looking for in a Halloween movie, which are probably maybe quieter, a little bit more suspenseful. This is not that at all. But if this was just a straight up horror movie and it was about some giant dude who just liked to kill people, okay, it might work. I mean, and I think people that were looking for that type of experience, I think that they would probably get that out of this movie. I mean, there's plenty of violence. Some of the visuals are pretty interesting. There's gore galore, right? So I, I think back to myself, you know, we've talked about it many times in terms of my horror movie junkie experience when I was growing up, I would seek out movies that were the the worst ones, right? And you'd have reputations, and, okay, oh, I gotta go watch Cannibal Holocaust or Solo or all these really horrible movies. And uh, that was sort of titillating and interesting at the time. I've moved past that in my own personal life, so I'm not really looking for that anymore. Thank God. <laughs> I prefer a much more suspenseful, interesting, kind of scary movie. Because the one thing about this movie is at no point, maybe there are a couple of minor jump scares, but at no point is this movie scary at all. It's in your face. This movie's turned up to 11 and coming right at you the whole time. It's intense, and the violence, is, I think, is actually pretty well executed in many cases. But to think of this as a, as a quote-unquote Halloween movie is... It's very strange. It's more like a distant cousin to a Halloween movie. You know, you brought up an interesting point when you said that the uh, the gore is like well-made, right? Yeah. Because I think that's what really turned me off to this movie right from the get-go. Yeah, I don't love gore, but I can deal with gore, you know, especially when it's kind of like almost humorous. Like over the top. Kind of over thing. the top, yeah. Like the scanner's head explosion or something. Yeah. Sam Raimi stuff. Exactly. But... This was like so realistic that I was just like put off immediately. Yeah, yeah. Not a great attitude watching this movie. And that really detracted from the rest of the movie. It really affected how I felt about it, which is why I disliked it so much. Do you like watching uh, medical shows or things like that? Or do you just like kind of like eh, squeamish towards that? You mean, do I watch like surgeries on YouTube? 
appendectomy of the week. <laughs> Dr. Pimple Popper. My <laughs> wife's uh, like binging through the uh, Grey's Anatomy, uh, the 19 seasons on Netflix now. So she'll have it on like occasionally and like I'll look and see a surgery. I'm like, oh, I don't need to see that. Oh, no, that stuff doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Now, if I saw it in real life, like a real life compound fracture, oh, no, 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 no. In the opening scene, they bring Lori into the hospital and you see her like her fingers are like broken and bones are sticking out and she's got huge gashes and it, they did it really well. The makeup is really good, honestly. It's too good, though. Yeah, but they're too well. And so it looks so realistic that I was like, why are you focusing on this? This is horrible. Right. Just bathe her in some blood and I'll be fine. But no, you've got to make it look so awful that I'm just like, I don't want to. No, I don't want to see this. Well, so it's interesting. What do you think the intent of this movie was? Like, what do you think Rob Zombie's intent? Like, what was he going for? Do Are we going to try to get into the mind of Rob Zombie? Um, I don't know. He, he's a sick motherfucker is don't, all I'm going to have to say. I, I do not want to get into his mind. I think he just really loves gore and blood. You've seen all the movies that he's made, right? And, and I've kind of stayed away from them because I don't particularly like his brand of horror. Mm -hmm. Like, I just think it's like creepy and over the top and weird. And like, I don't want to be around those people for, you know, 90 minutes to an, to two hours. Right. I, I think he's just got some sort of like weird fetish with gore and like realistic gore and throw in some sex there as well. Yeah. I don't know. I just, no, it's not for me. I actually liked the first Halloween sequel he made or the remake. Yeah. Yeah. The remake. I thought he did a good job. He did actually take a different slant to it. He tried to like kind of humanize Michael a little bit, which I thought was interesting. Not necessarily in line with Carpenter's vision of the guy, but I thought that was a well-made movie and a lot more interesting, even though it did have a lot of the gore and a lot of kind of violence that zombies known for. But this one, I, he did this vision thing with the white horse and the mom and all that stuff. I don't think any of that stuff works. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's like half the movie, it feels like. If you actually have to start your movie with a title card explaining what the white horse is, you have to spoon feed your audience. Yeah. And maybe horror fans are not looking to go that deep on something like this, especially from a Halloween film. You know, what you want is you want some tension, you want some good stalking scenes. You know, I mean, I mean Myers is just coming at you like a, I mean, I, here's the thing. He is a force of nature in this, right? I mean, he's this crazy, huge, uncontrollable force of nature. And it is interesting from that perspective, but it is really the antithesis of what made Carpenter's original so amazing. So it's kind of interesting that yeah. to take it that direction. Um, it's, a, it's a different take on it, for sure. I'll talk about this in a minute, but it's definitely not the worst Halloween sequel. It's not. I mean, if you because I've seen them all. <laughs> and, you know, I have. And, you know, Halloween Resurrection had a kung fu fight between Michael Myers and Busta Rhymes. Trick or treat, motherfucker. Mic drop right there, right? That's the worst movie in the franchise. You're not going to get worse than that. How would you rank it against the uh, ends? I was going to ask that question. So do you really think this movie is dramatically better than either Halloween, or I'm sorry, dramatically worse than either Halloween Kills or Halloween Ends? I would say yes, because I'd rather watch, like, if you had to, like, sit me down and say, okay, I have to pick one of these two movies, which one do you want to watch? I would pick the um, Halloween Ends series. It's easier to watch. Like, it's not as gruesome and violent and, and just kind of gross. Uh, so I would probably pick those. Well, at least Michael wasn't, it was a, a lot better than that pussy Corey from Halloween Ends. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about! Like a goddamn asshole. <laughs> <laughs> at least those two, like, they're, like, kind of crazy. I think if you pull a Jamie Lee Curtis 
out of Halloween Ends and just look at that movie, you know, and then, like say it was somebody else or they had to go a different direction. I mean, that movie's a pretty big shit show if you think about it. Oh, it's, we, it's terrible, but there's we, we this... have a podcast on it, by the way, just as a reminder that's worth listening to. It's fun. We did not walk away from that movie with our podcast saying that it was a good movie. I don't know. There's this world you're entering with zombies film. It's an underground you do not want to go into at all. Right. And the, and the other ones, they're not good movies, like the Halloween ends, that series. But it's at least a world that seems more normal. And like, I could live in this world. All the zombies, like, I did not want to like visit. Like, you know, like, you want nothing to do with it. I agree with Marcus. I think they're both not good films. But if I had to sit down and watch one, I would just much rather watch Ends or Kills because it doesn't have all this horrible violence. I expect some horror movies are going to have, are going to be violent, right? Right. This seems like it's violent for violence's sake. And it's like really glorifying it. I know there are movies out there that sort of get criticized for glorifying violence, but when it's well done and it serves a story and stuff, then it's, it's fine for me. But this just seems like it's just doing it for, you know, just for fun. Like, because Rob Zombie thought it would be really cool to smash a guy's head in with a boot. Right. And then take the body and put it on display. You know, no, no thanks. Yeah, that was sort of a meat face. That I, that I, saw. I don't know what that was, like a big spaghetti bowl? I don't <laughs> yeah the one thing about zombies directorial style in this movie is that he lingers on the violence that is yeah. one thing like the you know the guy in the ambulance for example he's sitting there you know you see him coughing up blood it's really unpleasant and you think okay well this is probably going to cut away now nope <laughs> another five exactly. seconds another seven seconds you're like i'm just watching this guy gurgle blood for like 10 yeah. seconds or whatever it's pretty nasty and then you get michael myers cuts the guy's head off not cleanly Nope. You no, know, and zombie just sort of focuses in on that. And that's really the point where I was like, uh, "I'm, uh, you lost me. You just completely lost me." Yeah, it's funny. My history on this movie—you guys know this—but this was the one Halloween movie that I had not seen all the way through in regards to the franchise, and it's because I turned it off. And I'm not one that will usually turn off movies. I'm more so now, I guess, but uh, I didn't used to be. And so I got like, I think up to the point where Lori was introduced and I'm like, nah, not for me. And I just gave up on it. Here's the thing. I honestly expected this movie to be a lot worse than it is. I think this is an okay horror movie as a standalone kind of horror movie. I don't think it's a good Halloween movie. I don't think it's necessarily a good movie. But if somebody was looking for some nudity, some gore, not a lot of plot, some, you know, kind of random elements of God knows what the horse and all the visions shit's supposed to be. (laughs) <laughs> it's all here. Um, and I think it's a, I mean, I think it's a competently put together movie with the exception of the, <laughs> the writing and the storyline again with the visions and all that. I'm not into it at all. I just don't think that works. Otherwise, I mean, there are some interesting visuals. I, I do think Zombie is actually good with visuals. And I think he's able to create menace pretty effectively. And I think he's good with violence. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to watch it going forward, but I think he's skilled at it. It's for a certain audience, I think, but uh, I'm not in that audience. Right. Yeah. It's for him and everyone who lives in his head. Well, yeah. I would have been there when I was 13 or 14, probably, honestly, but uh, not now. Well, I'm yeah. glad you didn't see it when you were 13 or 14, because I, I hate to think how you would have turned out. No, no, I just, uh, I'll stick with sneaking into Halloween 2, the original, when I'm 10. That, that did enough damage. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, Colin, you watched Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2, the 1981 version, before we, we, you watched Zombies version. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. What's your quick take on Halloween 2 or even as a comparison between the two? I thought that Zombies Halloween 2 would be a lot more like Zombies Halloween in that 
it was a remake of Halloween 2 and that right. he would focus more on the Carpenterisms. But he didn't, as they found out later. He specifically did not want to do that. And he felt right. like he was sort of freed of all of that and could really just go wild with doing whatever his idea was for this movie, which is why it didn't really feel like a Halloween movie. But I thought it was interesting because, you know, like I really wanted to like compare the two. And then it turned out watching his version, the first 25 minutes of his movie are the last 25 minutes of Carpenter's movie. And I was like, what is going on? He just went right for the hospital chase. Yeah, I'll say that's a good sequence. It's the best part of the movie. The first 25 minutes of this movie, I think, are actually pretty good. Yeah, I would agree. That's probably the best part. Because it feels like an actual sort of Halloween movie, right? And I do think that the Myers sequence in the hospital, like when he randomly takes down Octavia Spencer, who's like, what are you doing in this movie? I know. That came out of nowhere. Whoa. (laughs) When he's standing over her and driving the knife in, I mean, it's vicious, right? I mean, Myers is actually pretty intimidating at that point so i think yep. i think zombie does a really good job with that and laurie going down the stairs sliding and panicking and you know she, you know she has casts on so she can't move very effectively i think it's all really well done honestly that that first part at least it, when she gets out into the rain we can talk about some of the other stuff that happens when she gets out to the security guard dude anyway the halloween 2 ultimately though i was pretty disappointed in i just didn't think there was a whole lot there it certainly didn't have the the charm or appeal of the original Halloween, there was certainly more blood. Although as, when I watched Zombie's version, I'm like, okay, he he went way beyond what they did. <laughs> zombie wins. <laughs> yeah, zombie definitely wins on the blood department. Yeah, yeah, I just, I think the end of the movie, the end of Carpenter's Halloween 2 is the best part. But there's some right. real head scratching things going on there. The whole townspeople like throwing rocks at, at Michael Myers' the Myers house. house. It was just like dumb. It was just really not well done. And then uh, who's the um, Sheriff Brackett is in it for like five minutes and then he leaves and never comes back. Weird stuff. I mean, I, yeah, I understand why he left, but did he not want to participate in this movie? Did he have like some other movie they were shooting? Like what was going <laughs> on there? I don't know. So yeah, I didn't really like it all that much, but at least they had more Michael Myers, like true, like sort of Michael Myers stuff, like they're right. moving slowly and unstoppable. This one, I don't know. The reason why I like the original Halloween 2, I would say that's it's the second best film in the franchise, in my opinion. I just like it because it continues the aesthetic of the original pretty effectively. You still had Dean Cundy as the director of photography, so the lighting and the feel and all that, is, it feels very much like an extension of Carpenter's film, so I, I like that. At the time, it was also, it was a new take to basically put a sequel that started the minute after the first film ended, so I thought that was actually pretty cool. Just one quick question then to close that out, so... Which is the better movie between the two? Halloween 2, Carpenter's version? Or no, I'm sorry, it's not Carpenter because Rosenthal directed it. Rick Rosenthal did. Versus Zombies version. Well, if I had to watch one of them again, it would be the 1981 version. Primarily because of the hot tub scene. <laughs> <laughs> Even the hot tub scene, though, it's uh, yeah, that's pretty rough when poor nurse Karen is... Gets her face boiled off? In the scalding water. Yeah, the five minutes leading up to that was pretty nice. All right, well, moving along... This film was not necessarily considered a financial success. Uh, it had a budget of $15 million. It made $39 million at the global box office. I think that was $33 million domestic and I think six international. That's half of what Zombies Halloween remake made. So that actually had $80 million. So I, th- I think people kind of got the word on what this film was and backed off from it pretty quickly. 
It also maintains a 4.8 rating on the IMDb, which if you go through the Halloween rankings, that puts it second from the bottom. So Halloween Resurrection has a 4.0 and Rob Zombie's Halloween has a 4.8. By the way, Halloween Ends is slowly going down the list. I've been, I've been, just out of curiosity, I've been watching people <laughs> score that. It's hanging on to a 5.0 right now. It started off at a 6.7, now it's at a 5.0. Wow. So people really did not care for the final end of the, uh, the Gordon Green trilogy. So Halloween Ends was apparently a disappointment for people. Which is kind of funny because the first uh, Gordon Green Halloween is uh, ranked second on IMDb. I'm not surprised. That's how I would rank them is Halloween yeah. and then the 2018 Halloween. I agree. Yeah, I think we're all on the same. I mean, well, well no, you I said Halloween too. Hall- I, I, I put Halloween too, and then I would put the 2018 right behind it. Yeah, that'd be my top three. Well, let me ask you a question, Dave. When was the last time you saw Halloween 2 from 81? Well, here's the thing, dude, because I snuck in to see it when I'm 10, it's burned into my psyche, so I actually can see it whenever I want. I just have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny because when I, I see it as a, an adult, obviously, and I'm an adult, yeah. it just doesn't really seem that scary. Maybe it's the chasing Lori through the hospital and through the basement and stuff. But yeah, I don't find it to be like that tension filled. But you did see it when you were 10. Yeah, it, it had an impact. My thought going into this was that I would be sitting here and just ripping apart this movie and saying it's total, total garbage. But I actually think that it is the fourth worst Halloween sequel. That, that's what I came to when I, I sat down and thought about it. Because Only fourth worst. Yeah, only fourth worst. Um, I would say that it is better than Halloween 5, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, and Halloween Resurrection. Maybe I'll make you guys watch Halloween Resurrection just so you can bathe in the glory of a really, really bad movie. If you think about the Halloween franchise, right, so they made the third one, which was, that was where Carpenter and Deborah Hill went off and they were going to try to do it as an anthology, right? So I actually like that movie a lot. That gets batshit crazy, but it's fun. And then after that, they brought back Myers in Halloween 4, which was kind of fun because Marcus and I saw it together at Century Almaden back in the day. But then after that, Halloween 5 is just strange movie. It's slow. It's like at one point, Myers is walking around wearing a werewolf mask for half the movie and he's driving a Camaro. <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> Trust me, it's very weird. And Halloween 6 is, of course, also 100% total batshit crazy. It has a great Paul Rudd performance. I'm, I'm putting great in air quotes. Wow, dude. It's like, hey, congratulations. You got past this and kept going with your career. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then, of course, Halloween Resurrection, I mentioned. So I'm not going to rewatch any of those movies. I'm not going to rewatch this movie. Um, but I can't say that this is the worst Halloween movie in the franchise. It's not, not even close, in my opinion. And that's coming from a Halloween expert. Well, somebody who has spent way too much time thinking about the franchise over the years. Yeah, I don't think I saw any of those middle ones. Halloween 5, 6, H2O, or Resurrection. I don't think I've seen any of those. So I, I stopped at four and then started again at Halloween 2018. Yeah, you're not missing much, dude. <laughs> I took a 30-year gap or whatever it was. So the uh, critical response to this film was highly polarized, if you look at reviews online. And it's sort of in the uh, 83, 87% of people think it's just total shit. And then there's a small <laughs> vocal group of people that say it's inventive, interesting, and it brings something fresh and new to the franchise, which... Here's the thing. I guess I can kind of appreciate what Zombie was trying to do in terms of taking it into a different direction. Some of the reviews that I pulled. So there's a you know, there's a summary from uh, Brian Eggert at Deep Focus Reviews. And he says, Zombie's latest features no redeemable characters, gruesome violence that takes precedence over character development and leaves the viewer feeling detached and unsettled, but not in a good way. Yeah, I think that's that's I think that's yeah. a, that's a pretty good summary. Yeah. Yeah. And then I thought this one was interesting. This was not a positive review, but. Uh, Grant Watson from uh, Fiction Magazine said, 
Interesting, yes. Enjoyable, that's more open to debate. And then he had a couple paragraphs where he said, uh, Zombies' first Halloween spent an awful lot of time humanizing its masked villain, Michael Myers. We are introduced to him as a child and see his home life and struggles in school. We see him commit his first violent murders, his long incarceration in a psychiatric hospital, and his relationship with Dr. Samuel Lewis. By the time Michael dons his iconic mask and goes rampaging through the town of Haddonfield, the film is already halfway through. It was a stark contrast to John Carpenter's Halloween, and of course that's what made it an interesting remake. With Halloween 2, Zombie stretches the concept even further, producing something uniquely strange, surreal, and as it turns out, difficult to digest. If his first remake was a Halloween movie with some Rob Zombie inflections, his second is a full-blown Rob Zombie effort that happens to feature Halloween's characters. I think that that's the perfect summary of what this movie is. It's just basically a zombie movie that is existing in the Halloween universe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Well, so actually, just a couple, I guess, other thoughts on Zombie. So which movies of his have you seen besides the Halloween movies? None. Um, (laughs) I've only seen these two are the only two I've watched. What are his other movies? You have to remind me. Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, Three from Hell. Nope. I've always kind of been interested. I think I started watching House of a Thousand Corpses and I just turned it off. It's like he went to, like as a child, he went to a carnival and they got the shit kicked out of him by a bunch of carnies. Yeah, yeah. And then immediately went to see Halloween, a double feature of like Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, dude. That's or, what or, it is. Or, actually. Yeah, or whatever, like something that was like completely gory and then followed that up by like accidentally walking into um, a porno. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I'm not into his fantasy world. I just, I just can't do yeah. it. Well, the, the crazy thing for me is, and, and you know, and this is going to be a scary word, but he has so many characters of his that are retarded. And, and here's the thing. I know, that, I know that that's like the R word's a scary thing, but I mean that genuinely in terms of there are normal human beings who have not evolved to their normal human self. Hey, you stupid, slimy dick. I told you if you came on this land again, I'd beat the fuck out of you. What the fuck you think you're doing here? Big as he is dumb, man. Look at that. About seven foot of fuck hard. <laughs> I'm talking to you, shit heel. How'd you like to be fucked by the Frankenstein monster? You're <laughs> 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 my bride of Frankenstein. Oh, 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 big green scary monster. Oh, oh no. Oh, I'm too scared. Kitty's <laughs> good. Ass good. I'm gonna give it to you good. I'm gonna give you my jolly green giant. Fuck! Andy, are you seriously planning on standing out here all night? This is ridiculous. Move your shitbox over there, Kojak, okay? (laughs) Don't make a federal case out of it. Turn off the goddamn gumballs. I'll do what I gotta do. (laughs) What the fuck are you gonna do, jackhole? I'm a chick who's dressing up as a dude who wants to be a chick. But you, uh, you are a chick, though, right? Mm-hmm. Just step. Why don't you put your hands down my pants and arms out, Wolfman? At this point, I don't really care. No, but seriously, you have a vagina. Right. I mean, those two ambulance drivers in this movie, like, could they not be more, like, like what do they have, an IQ of, like, 82, and they're just <laughs> weird, disgusting hillbillies for no reason whatsoever? Hey. Huh? What's the difference between jam and jelly? I don't know. What? 
You can't jelly your cock up a dead girl's ass. <laughs> and are these the guys that are actually your paramedics that are driving an ambulance? Really? You got through you got through medical school or, or at least the EMS paramedic training? Well, really? to, to be fair, that was the coroner and his coroner's aide. Okay. Um, All right. But still, talking about necrophilia in a very lurid, <laughs> disgusting way. I mean, hey, who hasn't talked about necrophilia before? But seriously, this was like, oh, this is so disgusting and creepy. It turned my stomach. You're right. These are his the types of characters that he's like drawn to. And I don't yeah. know why. There's just a hillbilly, underdeveloped, just grossness and crassness that exists in almost all of his characters. You remember the the family sequence in his Halloween remake when you know Michael Myers oh, first yeah, came yeah, downstairs yeah, yeah. as a kid and yeah. he just everyone's just yelling at each other and Jesus Christ, Ronnie, you know I have to fucking work tonight. Somebody around here has got to make some money. I'm all broken up here, bitch. I can't work. Yeah, and whose fault is that? Fuck you. Oh my God, you're pathetic. You know that new waitress over at the Bingo Lounge? She can give me the freaky eye. Oh, the whore with the big tits hanging down to her knees. Maybe I'll choke the chicken, purge my snorkel all over them flappy-ass tits. Good. We'll have a good fucking time. I will. I hope she likes cripples. Bitch, I will crawl over there, and I will skull-fuck the shit out of you. Oh, I'll get the crutches for you. And it's just like this just disgusting dialogue. Yeah. That is the through line through his movies, which is unfortunate. I would actually love to see somebody who's a skilled writer give Zombie a script and have Zombie actually film it. I'd be curious to see what the results are, but I think he's written everything that he's ever directed. In Halloween 2, it's, it's so different from Halloween. It's just because he got agreement that he was like, I'm not going to do Halloween 2. He didn't want to do it. He rejected it, right? He was like physically and mentally exhausted from directing Halloween. The reason is because he was trying so hard to keep true to Carpenter. And he didn't want to do it. And then once they gave him the okay to just do what he wanted, he, uh, he accepted right. it. And now this is just literally a Rob Zombie movie with some, you know, Halloween, Halloween characters, characters in it. Yeah. I actually kind of don't want to see that. And I don't think he would do it, you know, by taking somebody else's material. Because I just don't think that he would could connect to it. And he'd get so frustrated that he'd probably, like, drop out. You know, he just wants to do what is in his mind. What motivates him. I'm just not interested in that. Totally get what you're saying. I, I just, I'm curious, I guess, what the result would be. Like, I have that curiosity. Yeah. I, th I think that he's pretty strong with visuals. I think, again, I think he does violence pretty well. Uh, I just don't need the characters yelling at each other in hillbilly slang or whatever, which is, seems to be what you hear from all of his characters. His secondary characters are all cut from the same mold. That's really what it comes down to. Everybody is exactly the same. And that person is very unpleasant and you don't want to be with them. So it makes his movies hard to watch. Yeah. I've got a question for you, Dave. So speaking of another director has a very distinct aesthetic, whose world would you rather spend a lot of time in, Rob Zombie's or Tim Burton's? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. <laughs> By the way, I read somebody who said, um, who, who compared this movie to like, if Tim Burton made a slasher movie, that, that no. this is what you would get. <laughs> Just like a, a violent slasher movie, this is kind of what you He think. has so much whimsical in his uh, aesthetic. It's but not yeah, but like, if he didn't if he didn't do the whimsy, then this is what I you suppose. might you might get. All right, Dave. Make your choice. 
Well, it, it really depends on which character I'm playing, <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> am I the protagonist? Am I the antagonist or what the situation is? I'd probably have to go to Burton's world just to be safe. Uh, but the good news about being in, in Tim Burton's world is I can also murder people, and that's just fine. So uh, just like good old Edward Scissorhands at the end of the movie. The hero. Oh, now I have an interesting question for you. Yes. This is a, thank you for bringing up Tim Burton. Isn't Michael Myers essentially a man-child? Just a murderous <laughs> man-child, but a man-child nonetheless. Yeah, but the man-childs, uh, sorry, the man-children <laughs> that I do not like are the whimsical, happy, fun man-children. If this is a man-child who's coming towards me on the street, he's killing people left and right. I don't really consider him a man-child. I just consider him something I need to run from. <laughs> you don't like the Peter Pan man-children? No, it's just that shit creeps me out, man. Peter Pan is disgusting. And yet Michael Myers <laughs> is just fine. <laughs> I'd rather watch the next five Rob Zombie movies than watch a single Peter Pan movie. Or whatever that abomination hook was. I've never seen it with Spielberg, but it just looks terrible. <laughs> You're a weird dude. Fuck it, I hate Peter Pan, dude. I hate it. So, <laughs> so we all have our things. Okay. I just watched the Peter Pan and Wendy. It was fine. Uh, no, thank you. I watched the trailer and I was like, yeah, no. I'm, I'm kind of with Dave on, on Peter Pan, but that's just because I'm an adult. All right. Want to talk cast? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. So uh, Scout Taylor Compton comes back to play Laurie Strode. I feel kind of bad for her in this movie because I think her acting is actually pretty good, but she's in constant distress all the way through. She does flip the script a little bit on herself and suddenly want to be a party girl. Narratively, very strange choice, but whatever. Fine. I looked at her IMDb, but, you know, do I recognize her from anything else? And she's done a ton of stuff, but nothing else that really comes to mind for me. I've never seen her in anything no. other than, than these movies. Yeah. Okay. So I've seen her in this and that's it. Yeah. I thought her character, I don't know. It didn't seem consistent at all. There's numerous turns where you're like, what? The end, for sure. I was confused by it. Well, yeah, I think her character is confusing. I think she does a good job at playing yeah. the scream queen. She goes through like so much trauma and she does it really well. Yeah, she does it really well. Like the, like the scene where she's sitting on the floor where Annie is dying. I think that's actually a really well done performance yeah, yeah. there. That being said, the character is all over the place. It's sort of like she's bipolar. And she, or she's manic or something, yeah. But, you know, you, you sort of think about, well, she is a trauma survivor. PTSD. I mean, it's, it, it's interesting from that perspective, honestly, because you don't see a lot of movies where you see the impact of whatever the slasher event was, right? But where it loses me is she is somehow psychically connected to Michael Myers. Yeah. Seeing visions and feeling things that he's feeling. Like when he's eating the, the dog that he just killed, she suddenly like vomits. That whole thing, I don't buy for one second. I just don't. Neither do I. That and all the vision shit is the worst part of this movie by yeah. far. Where ultimately it leads to the end of the movie, it doesn't feel right at all. I really didn't like that aspect of the character, but I think she does a good job. So Tyler Mayne plays Michael Myers. I don't know if there's much to say about his performance other than that he's a huge dude. He's really good at knocking shit down <laughs> and smashing things. Zombie has uh, Myers smashing shit left and right in this movie or taking people's heads and slamming them into walls, etc. Definitely physically imposing, but... It's strange because you also have large chunks of this movie where it's not the Myers mask or anything like that. It's Drifter in a hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> so I know. And this is another thing that I just didn't like. It's almost like Tyler Mayne had it in his contract to have them keep showing his face. And yeah. it ruins it. It just ruins it for me. The whole reason why 
Halloween, the original, so effective is that mask, right? And the nothingness that's yeah. there. And so as soon as you see the eye and you see like some level of expression, and even I sent you guys a link because in one version that they shot, he actually yells die when he stabs Loomis. And as soon as you have Myers speak, that totally <laughs> ruins it. it. Might as well not be Michael Myers. It should just be, again, the malevolent drifter. It was very noticeable to me when he was killing certain people in this movie and he's grunting and I'm like, he shouldn't be grunting. Yeah, that was surprising too. To me, Michael Myers is this mystery in this mask, right? And it almost seems like from Halloween and now this movie that Rob Zombie is really more focused on who Michael Myers is, the actual man, the person, because it explores how he became that in the first movie. I feel like that's the movie he really wanted to make, honestly. Well, you know, I kind of like that movie. Yeah, I I think the most interesting stuff he's done is the first half of his original Halloween remake. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I mean, he does a good job with all the... The different masks and all that sort of stuff. What if he should have done a movie instead of calling it Halloween, call it Michael Myers and could have done like a a deeper exploration without trying to hold to the Halloween uh, name as much. That is one thing about his original remake too, is the last half of that movie is it tries to redo the entire Carpenter film in the, in 45 minutes. And it's a very strange experience. It's like watching Halloween on fast forward. It's very, very strange. That being said, and we talked about this in that podcast is I don't think it really works. None of his experiences as a child go far enough in explaining how he could kill people as a child and then turn into like, you know, this killing machine as an adult. Right. I just don't think it explains it. And they talk about it a little bit in this film. Like there's a scene where he's still a child at Smith's Grove and his mother comes to talk to him and she, you know, gives him this white horse. Even the, the kid just seems like too cute. How does that kid end up being Michael Myers? I don't buy any of it. So you have Malcolm McDowell as Sam Loomis. What is the point of making Sam Loomis such a dick in this movie? Do you think Michael's alive or dead? Will he kill again? Here we go again. Look, let me make things nice and sparkling clear. Michael Myers is fucking dead. Now, do you brain-dead gossip mongers want me to spell that out for you? D-E-A-D. His character is terrible. He's just a fucking raging asshole at every opportunity. Why? What's the point of that? I, I don't know. He's, he's almost like just this ridiculous caricature of Loomis. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because McDowell is playing him that way or if it's because that's how Rob Zombie wrote it. If it's done to set up this idea of a redemption arc where he's going to somehow come in at the end and take more responsibility, <laughs> nothing happens. He just basically walks in and gets chopped into pieces. Too little too late. Yeah. And yeah, and he doesn't really get redeemed at all. You know, Marcus, you mentioned the two dimensional characters in this movie. It's almost like Zombie told Malcolm McDowell, just go be over the top. There's not much on the page yeah. to work with. So just do your thing. Be an asshole. Because that's what he is. He's just a 100% grade A ass clown. Every single opportunity he has to be a dick, he's a dick. You know, you didn't get me the right coffee. What do you think about Malcolm McDowell overall? I'm curious. What's your take on Malcolm McDowell? I've never really been a fan. Yeah, I would have thought much higher. But then anytime I ever see him, you're like, eh. I think his name connotates better than he is. I don't know why. Well... I know, Dave, you probably have your own opinion on this. I think he was really good in A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. But aside from that, he's just not one of my favorite actors. He can be good, but he really leans into the the asshole. I've seen him in some other roles where he plays just a real egotistical prick, and he's good at it. I hope that's not what he's like in real life. I feel like sometimes he's just playing Malcolm McDowell. (laughs) That's the only... 
Marcus, he was in class of 2000, or class of 1999, wasn't he? You see, someone's running a game on us. The same game that killed my brother. The same game that killed Noser. You killed Noser. I think, sorry, I think I was trying to think of the, uh, there was an old movie that we did like him in. Yeah, maybe that's where he peaked. I just wonder, like, does Rob Zombie just go to the actor scrap pile and pull people off of it to put in his movies? And there's a lot of people in this movie, and they've got very small roles. They're almost like cameos. Howard Hessman shows up for like a minute and a half. As Uncle Meat. In a role that <laughs> is completely throwaway, not even necessary. Totally. Um, there's like Margot Kidder, who plays a Laurie's therapist. Let me ask and you a question. Did you actually recognize Margot Kidder? I did not. No, I, I did not, not either. Lois Lane's in this movie? <laughs> what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, when Octavia Spencer came out like, at the hospital, it's a nurse. I was just like, yeah, that was the, a surprise. What the hell? Now, I think that was maybe before she got pretty big because she's done a lot of really good movies since then. But things like Chris Hardwick and Weird Al Yankovic. Right. What is that, going on? That was my favorite scene. Like, <laughs> Weird Al was Well, because they were like giving it to Loomis. Really good. Yeah, it was funny. And that was great. Dauber from Coach showed up as a deputy. And, and you got Richard Reel, who's who's great. He's a great that guy who's from like Office Space. He played the Buddy the Night Watchman. Yeah. You know, he's like, you know, yeah. he's the inventor of the jump to conclusions, Matt. He comes across as somebody who is nice and delightful. So it's you feel bad that... Myers takes an axe and <laughs> chops him in half or whatever. That was pretty awful. Yeah, yeah. I love Richard Real. I deal with the goddamn customers. I have people skills. <laughs> yeah. So Chase Wright Vanek played young Michael. And unfortunately, was it Dag Farch, I think was his name from the first one. Is that right? Yes. His name is uh, Dag Fark. He apparently was actually under contract to play young Michael again, but puberty hit. And that knocked him out of his ability to, after <laughs> post-puberty, he looked a lot different and his voice was too different. So they had to recast it to a different actor. So feel bad for him because you definitely want to get another movie under your belt if you can. That's a challenge with doing a, a day after sequel. So Sherry Moon Zombie is in this, right? That's Zombie's wife. He casts her in every single movie he makes. I don't think she's the best actress in the world. And I think that it feels like it's a bit of an anchor to, to drag around. In this case, all she has to do is sort of stand there and look ethereal and big eyes and, you know, the... Ah, something's happening. So with that, it's fine. But that's also the worst part of the story. So I guess I'm biased against it. And then maybe the last person to talk about would be Brad Dorif. Colin, what's your favorite Brad Dorif performance? Has it come to this Mentat Piter de Vries? Long live the fighters! You've got to be in a Rob Zombie movie. <laughs> yeah, I figured that was the case. Although I, I do really like Brad Dorif. He has a couple weird moments in this movie, though, in terms of his expression of emotion particularly when he walks in the house to see his daughter at the end it's a very very weird moment i love brad Dourif. he's probably the best part about the movie just in terms of like actors i really like but unfortunately he seems exhausted in this movie and i can understand why <laughs> though the one thing i really didn't like about his character picked up the book uh loomis's book and he read through it and he found the information that he knew about Lori being uh, Michael sister. Myers' sister, right? He kind of half-asks it with Annie saying like, oh, just have Lori call me. Just have her call me. Dude, d do you understand? Go out and find her. Tell her before she finds out on her own. That was a really bad move. So moving on to opening questions. Here's one that I have, which is, how do you declare that Michael Myers is dead when you come upon the ambulance 
The back door has been forcibly kicked open and some guy's head has been sawed off and is apparently either missing or is probably 30 or 40 feet down the road and the body's gone. How is Myers dead? Can somebody clarify that for me? They just lost the body. They did say that the body was missing. I don't think they ever officially declared him dead. No, Loomis dead. No, Loomis says he's dead, but I don't think anyone else actually said that. They just said he's been missing or his body's missing. Well, so, so I guess my question is when the police show up and the ambulance is there and they look and some dude's head has clearly been sawed off and it's 40 or 50 feet down the road, do they not want to continue the investigation? And maybe if the guy who was a serial killer is missing in the back, is there any, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, but there might be a connection. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing small town, small police force, someone didn't want to do the paperwork. They're like... Yeah, I could see where like his head came off during the accident. <laughs> it's like, it's like then, Dumb and Dumber. My parakeet Petey. Huh? He's dead. Oh, man. Sorry, Harry. What happened? His head fell off. His head fell off. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't explain why his body isn't there. But yes, of course, it's not the strongest script in the world. Marcus? Yeah, the question I had was, um, why does every person in Haddonfield, when they see a seven-foot guy, he's giant, why do they why do they want to try and beat him up and pick on him? But I believe uh, he's also called a hippie at one point. <laughs> yeah, like three different people, <laughs> I think, hippie. at times, just they see him and they're just like, oh, let's just let's, this is the guy we want to pick on. I don't know. I would probably just be quietly walking away and would not want to be interested in the conflict myself. I believe at one point, one of those, what did you call it? Hillbillies called him a seven foot fucktard. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler Maine, physically imposing. So I'm definitely not interested in messing with him. Especially he's not like a skinny seven foot. He's a big ass dude. He's 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 a huge guy. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Tyler Maine, you do great work in this film and we all love you. <laughs> yeah, please don't come to my house. <laughs> please don't show up on our doorstep. <laughs> I've seen pictures of you in your, your real life and you're, you look like a very sweet man. <laughs> all right, I got a question. So the sister angle is interesting and it does pick up from the original. Is it successful as a plot device? No. No. The history on this, which I talked about in probably, I don't know, a couple of Halloween pods, Carpenter was hired to write the script for Halloween 2, and he was drinking, and he had writer's block. And after a six-pack, he's like, ah, fuck it, let's just make Laurie his sister. And that's how you ended up with the whole sister angle. That's actually what happened for the original Halloween 2. So funny. I don't think that any of the the psychic connection, the horse connection, the, I, have, I have questions, lots of questions around, is Laurie suddenly seeing the same vision that's Michael, that Michael's seeing, and you know why is that? How is that happening at the same time? All that's the worst part of the movie, so I don't think it works at all. Yeah, that was one of my questions, too. Is the mom like a ghost possessing them and controlling them? The whole thing seems very weird. I agree with you completely. Worst part of the movie, it doesn't work. It's this, like, psychic spirit world. Hey, Chavis, how come they ain't killing us? we're in the spirit world, asshole. I don't even fucking understand what the horse is supposed to do. All right, so I loved the whole white horse thing. I loved it for uh, the wrong reasons. I loved it because it was such pretentious pseudo psychological bullshit <laughs> yeah and, it definitely does feel like a uh like a movie school art school yeah, yeah totally. be, oh, let's just throw in this symbolism <laughs> of a white horse and like we'll have deep meaning yeah and of course they got that title card right at the beginning of the movie 
immediately I was like, wait, what is the subconscious psychosis of dreams? I've never heard of that. So I immediately had to look it up and I was like, yeah, of course, no, he just made that up. So Rob Zombie, the artful pseudo-intellectual that he has decided, oh, I'm just going to make this up, but it's going to sound real. I had to write it down again. So white horse, the definition, linked to instinct, purity, and the drive of the physical body to release powerful and emotional forces like rage with ensuing chaos and destruction. Do you think that sounds like a real definition from the DSM or no, no, it's just such, such bullshit. So I went online. I had to find out, <laughs> is this a real thing? Right. And of course I went to Reddit. So take it with a grain of salt, but okay. um, so here's this guy who says, can someone explain the white horse thing in Halloween too? And then parentheses, the one with the giant hobo as Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, really, I never seen a movie so hard to understand. Maybe is the Brazilian version that I have is a weird edition, or is it just the movie? The white horse, somebody answers, the white horse here is what's driving Michael in his mind. That's why he kills. He's following that built-in instinct. That's why Lori sees it at the end, showing us that she too has that evil instinct inside of her. And then Zombie's original version was that the film would end with Lori being the one who killed everyone. She was just envisioning Michael the whole time. Alas, the Akkads, who are the producers, always wanted Michael to be the main focus and killer. And I thought that was really interesting. If that's true, that Zombie originally wanted her to be the one who was murdering everyone, and as an audience, we were just fooled into thinking that her visions of Michael Myers is that he was actually killing everyone. I think that would have been a much better movie. <laughs> I was wondering if that was true, because there's a couple of scenes where that was kind of happening. Wait, is she doing it? Because it's flashing back and forth when that, mm -hmm. the stabbing was happening. Yeah. You're like, oh, wait. And I thought that might have been where he was going with it. That might have been more interesting. First of all, it would have explained a lot more. You know, you wouldn't, yeah. you know, like the whole psychic connection, which is just bullshit. Now it makes sense. Well, she was the one who was actually killing people. And in her mind, she was seeing that it, yeah. was, it was Michael. It seems like it would have been a better idea. You still have Michael Myers in the movie. So I blame the Akkads if that if that is true, that they kind of ruined what could have been actually a pretty pretty interesting movie. The last thing I'll say on the White Horse is got a shout out to Paul Sheldon's feet, who wrote, While I don't care for this movie at all, I do like the White Horse aspect. It was a pretty visual to look at and was a nice grounded way to represent his anger, but ultimately felt useless in my opinion. But I do think the idea to have this woman alongside a white horse was purely Rob wanting to cram his wife into yet another one of his movies. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. I agree, Paul Sheldon's feet. I agree 100%. Well, let me ask you guys a question. So if just really quickly, if you're going to rank your animals that equate to pure rage, where does the white horse fall on the list? <laughs> That's the thing. It doesn't. But pretty low. It really it just I might doesn't. go for like a cocaine bear before I get to like a white horse, right? So. <laughs> it's like Zombie was sitting around and he's probably flipping through the DSM looking for like all these different mental conditions to, to try to explain why Michael Myers is doing what he was doing. It's like, I'll just make one up. That's, yeah, well. that's it. I'll just make it up. And then of course, it's exactly describes what he's doing, but in a not very artful way. Or even a very clinical way. You want to something interesting really quick? The plot of Halloween 5 is that Michael Myers' niece has a psychic connection to Michael Myers throughout the course of the film. 
so this just brings me to Corey. <laughs> like the Corey. whole Corey and Halloween ends specifically, right? Specifically, Corey and Halloween ends, and then the whole psychic, like the passing of evil from one person to another. I just people just stop trying to explain it all. Stop trying to pass evil along. He's just a fucking fucked up individual. You know, he just, something's wrong in his brain and he kills people. Yep. That's it. That's it. Last question I have is, um, does Michael Myers have an iPhone? Because <laughs> he's using uh, the mapping function to get around? He's using the, my, the Find My Friends app to find everyone. Because mm-hmm. how does he know where people, where everyone is that he wants to kill? <laughs> how does he get from the party to Annie's house? That's Uber. the question. He uses the Uber app. <laughs> this is 2009. No, no, no. Uh, it's, I, we, we don't know what year this is. Well, the iPhone was released in 2007. I don't think Michael Myers is an early adopter. So <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to say no. All right. I don't think so either. But it's just like, how the hell is he getting around? You know? It's definitely the horror story trope of convenience. He can just be wherever he needs to be. It really is kind of pretty bad. It's really kind of crazy. He just shows up to you, like when she like ran away from the house. They're on this empty road. There's nothing around. You can see there's nothing around. And then the guy turns around for one second. Then Mike, right there. Well, hey, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like this big empty area. There's nothing around for miles. Oh, yeah, there he is. That's definitely been something that has uh, been a problem for the entire series, especially considering yeah, how slow think, he moves. And if you want to see something yeah. pretty funny, it's probably like tw- maybe 20 minutes into Halloween 2 when there's a, a babysitter that gets randomly stabbed by Michael. And if you go back and you watch that scene... She walks out the door and she's looking around the room. She can't see anybody. And then all of a sudden, Michael Myers jumps up from the ground as if he's like crouched down. He jumps up right next to her and he sticks her with a knife. I it's know. Pr- he's like literally just like all of a sudden, like right next to her. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, yeah. It's, it's pretty funny to, to, to watch, actually. And, and by the way, what's interesting <laughs> about that is originally when Rosenthal had his version, she survived. So it was Myers just watched her through the window and then ended up leaving. But then Carpenter added her dying, and so they didn't have a good way to do it. So that's why they ended up filming it that way with out of nowhere. It's like right next to her. It's just, it's weird looking. It's worth seeing if you want to see something pretty goofy. It was pretty goofy. I agree. All right. Well, I want to jump into this thing. <laughs> do you want to? And just talk about a few key scenes? <laughs> you you I, pick, the, um, pick, the, pick the scenes. Okay. I have my favorite scenes. None. <laughs> <laughs> Starting off at the beginning, Colin touched on this briefly, but just to go back on it, there is a good, was it two to three minutes of wound care in the beginning of this, where people are getting sewed up, nails are getting pulled off fingers. It's pretty disgusting, actually. I'm not one who needs to see a lot of surgery. Also, just want to say, if you ever plan on getting stitched up in Haddonfield, maybe avoid the Haddonfield General Hospital because... Those doctors are not very good at the stitches. I think it's Annie, right? Has a lot of slashes in her face. She's big metal staples. They stitch her up and she's literally got these Frankenstein looking stitches in her face. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very noticeable. It's great for a horror movie, but I, I believe one of the doctors said something like, we'll just leave this for the plastic surgeon guys or something like that. Apparently... I think maybe even the violence that people expect or want to see in a horror movie doesn't include just general triage care, right? Like, that's not something that you actually are looking for. Like, you don't get your 
desires met when it comes to horror movie violence by watching uh, someone going through a surgical procedure. Right? That's not that's not what you're looking for when you jump into a horror movie, in my opinion. I agree. I will say that the first 23, 25 minutes of this movie, I think are pretty good. It's kind of interesting that the whole thing becomes a dream sequence. So I'm kind of curious, does that mean that Lori was treated at the hospital and then just sent home, but she's having these murderous visions of Michael? Was it a flashback or did it really happen? I was really confused by that because then it says one year later also, like in the same next I think moment. it was a total dream sequence. Yeah, it was a nightmare. She was having a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was very strange. I was not a fan. I liked it, but then I was like immediately, oh, it was just a dream. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to me because if you took the tone, the visuals, the intensity of Myers, and that was what was then brought to the rest of this movie... It could have been pretty good or pretty interesting, or at least could have been a good Halloween sequel. I was like, oh my God, like we're, we're right, like right into it all yeah. of a sudden. I had two questions right when he showed up. I think this was like right when Octavia Spencer, you know, gets killed. How the fuck did Michael already get to the hospital? Right. And number two, did he stop at Bed Bath & Beyond to buy a knife? Because he's got this huge <laughs> knife that he's... Old. I'm like, where did yeah. you get that? Right. Do you get your knives at Bed Bath & Beyond? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, in hindsight, the the whole dream sequence makes sense. She's having a nightmare. Makes perfect sense to me. And now I'm thinking like, okay, wow. Okay, this is not going to be the same movie because we just saw the end of Halloween 2, essentially. Right. But also, it seemed confusing because when did the dream sequence begin? The ambulance wasn't part of the dream sequence, right? She's receiving care. The ambulance is taking the body away at the same time. So she gets treatment at the hospital. And then at some point after she's like in bed, then she wakes up. So when she like wakes up in bed and then she gets out of bed, that's the point where I think the nightmare starts. Uh, very confusing because you mix actual reality with that same dream sequence. It confused me. And I would say that maybe that was actually well done by Rob Zombie because you didn't know that this was that now a dream. It almost cheapens the experience, though, because yeah. you're like, wow, what the, like, this is pretty intense. Again, I think that 23 minutes, I, I think is actually really well done. That sequence and that stalking sequence is probably better than most of the shit in a bunch of the Halloween sequels. So I, I think that that's pretty strong. They choose a lot of stuff that is very similar to Halloween 2, like the homage. Like one of the very famous sequences from the original Halloween 2 is Dick Warlock, who's playing Michael Myers in that film. He had to memorize the number of stairs that he had to walk down because he wanted to keep his head looking forward when he's walking down the steps. And if you look at Myers in this film, he's kind of doing the same thing when he's going down the steps. So normally you have your head down when you're looking at the steps, right? But apparently if you are a psychotic serial killer, I'm, I'm rolling dangerous and I'm not even going to look where I'm stepping, right? So the fact that Octavia Spencer is killed, she looks a lot like the nurse, Colin, you just watched the movie. I can't remember her name. The one who gets drained of blood in uh, Halloween 2. Yeah, I don't remember her name. Yeah, whatever. So she looks all like that nurse. Um, Mrs. Alvis. Sorry, yeah. I remembered. And then, uh, and then there's a, you know, the chase <laughs> kind of through the basement area a little bit is similar to, there, there are elements that are similar to the original Halloween 2. When he gets outside, my question was, all of a sudden, Buddy shows up. Richard Real. Richard Real. And guess what? How weird is it to see a really nice guy in a Rob Zombie movie? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it comes out of nowhere. You find it shocking because, you know, you expect him to bring Lori into his area and then, I don't know, try to assault her or something like that. I mean, that's that's kind of like what you think with a, the zombie vibe is going to be. But nope, he's just trying to do the right thing, gives her his coffee, goes to get the car. When Michael shows up, I mentioned this at the end of our Rob Zombie Halloween pod. 
there's this great sequence of Michael taking a two by four and smashing it through the ceiling. And in this movie, he takes an ax and starts basically breaking down the entire hut. And all I can say is, man, zombie loves watching Michael Myers do demolition work. <laughs> that's, that's really what it comes down to. Michael Myers is the best demo man in the business. You give that guy an ax, you send him into a house, he takes the whole thing down to the studs in what would be, what, 10 minutes. He's really good at what he does. Question, if you gave Michael Myers some wood, would he build you a cabinet? He might, you never know. <laughs> Probably not, though. Yeah, so anyways, I think that opening sequence is good. I just think that the movie then, it's all downhill from there, for the most part. Yeah, it, it does go downhill, definitely. Weird way to start your movie or have that be so intense and great and then just have it all sort of uh, disappear. All right, so moving on to the ambulance. We already talked about this, but the jam jelly joke, that's been around for a long time. <laughs> but I was trying to Good think joke. about, does that date all the way back to high school for us? Is that when we first heard that? <laughs> Uh, maybe middle school. Middle I mean, school? I don't pretty, know. Yeah, it's a good joke. Why don't you say it again? Because uh, that might have been the first time I'd heard that joke. Usually it's not a necrophilia joke. Yeah, it's not. It's, not, it's like, what's in between jam and jelly? What? You can't jelly your dick into and then throw in whatever okay. you want. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Good old Rob Zombie. Why did he yell cow three times and not break? And then just like slams, like pull on into the cow. Oh, yeah. It just seemed like a really bad driving. Cow, cow, what? Cow. Like, slam on your brakes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, why? Runs right into it. Also, by the way, I'll note dumb, that you dumb. do see a couple images of the shattered cow as well. <laughs> oh, the, there's tons of cow violence in this movie. One more opportunity for just some, <laughs> some meat being displayed. All right, so moving on. So when Laurie is introduced in this movie, this is actually where I realized I turned it off the first time because I was so turned off by what he did to her character. So now she's wearing a Kiss t-shirt. Ooh, Kiss is evil. Uh, She has a back tattoo. Her entire upstairs bathroom area is spray painted. And she even has a poster of Charles Manson above her bed. I think that maybe they took the sweet, innocent Lori of Halloween lore and maybe turned it a little bit too much on its head. I don't know. I I don't really love the opening experience that you get with Lori in this movie. There's a lot of satanic graffiti everywhere. There's um, 666 and there's pentagrams. And she's been through this really traumatic experience and she's just... He's having her goth moment. Come on. She's trying to deal with it, right? Why didn't she have this connection to Michael since she's his sister? Why wasn't she like this before when Michael was like growing up in the sanitarium? Why was that never a thing? Took the event to trigger it or something? I just think that it's one of those things where it... It looks messy and, you know, weird and you're, like graffiti is scary or whatever, which is, it's not. <laughs> so Brad Dorif is or his character, so Sheriff Brackett, is he going to let Laurie deface his house like that? I don't know. This is Rob Zombie's homage to Stanley Kubrick. Because uh, as you know, in um, Eyes Wide Shut, Tom Cruise in Nicole Kidman's apartment is an exact replica of the apartment that Stanley Kubrick and his wife had when they were living in Paris. Uh, Lori's bedroom and bathroom are an exact replica of Rob Zombie's bedroom and bathroom when he was growing up uh, as a teenager. <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me. I'm going to just, I'm going to buy all that without even questioning you about it and all move right. forward. Yes. Good deal. Okay. I read it on Reddit. If it's on the internet, it must be true. There's an, an attack in the field. So apparently some people have been concerned that this big drifter has been on their property. But, but their solution to this is to drive up on him in a, and, and basically get out and start beating him with a crowbar and a baseball bat. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm That's, pretty sure what I saw there was murder. 
So did you, did you guys think that they went at him a little hard? Yeah, it seemed a bit much just to be like, oh, there's a drifter in our in our field. Let's go kill him. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, a little over the top. And by the way, those guys, exact same, they're uh, the fucking same characters as the ambulance drivers, right? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe they just wanted to get an erection like Neil Diamond. I'll smack you in the mouth. I'm Neil Diamond. Okay, that's it. I'm gone. That's it. Wait. This next song I wrote after I killed a drifter to get an erection. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, you know, Colin mentioned it, but the grunting takes you out of the moment. Yeah, I had that same note, too. It just seems so non-Michael Myers. Like, what? What? I noticed it actually. He did it in the when he's smashing the guardhouse too. I think he so did it like a couple times. While doing, yeah, yeah, very weird. And it's always just like very distracting when he does. Not used to it. Not looking for it. And it's not what makes Myers effective. Very strange killing the dog and eating it there too. Yeah, but at least that answers one of Dave's questions from our Halloween Ends pod. What does Michael Myers eat? Dog. Well, but let me ask you this: How many bites of dog do we think we need to see in this movie? None. <laughs> That's where I would go to. I mean, because he's got like a big handful of bloody dog meat. And I think you see him maybe take three bites, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. It was three too many. Colin, you, you mentioned this earlier, but you think Lori running upstairs to vomit then is because of some psychic connection she has. And so suddenly they, they yeah. mentioned the fact that she's a vegetarian. So apparently she would not be interested in eating dog if she had the opportunity. I'm pretty sure if she was a regular meat eater she'd probably not want to be eating like raw dog innards either but yeah. um they're intercutting that scene of laurie and annie and, and sheriff Brackett having pizza at the dinner table with him butchering this dog and then taking out its i guess probably his liver or heart and eating it you have to worry about salmonella or anything like that with dogs botulism dude michael myers is immortal come on, come on. He doesn't yeah. need to worry about germs. <laughs> Michael Myers finally taken down by, <laughs> by some <laughs> bad meat. Food poisoning. He got food poisoning. Myers at the moment where all of a sudden he's stalking Laurie and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, hold on a second. And he has to run. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, he's like, uh, uh, he's like uh, oh shit, norovirus. <laughs> like, it's just, happening. I just, I just it's got happening. back from a cruise. He just like sits down in the middle of the field. Michael Myers shits his pants. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. So Myers shows up, the, the seven-foot dirty hippie, as the guy calls him out near the dumpster, shows up at the Rabbit in Red. Why does he even go there at all? And I mean this from like a character motivation or even a narrative in the movie. Obviously, we know why he's going to go there. It's just you need a couple other people to die horribly so you can watch all that. But what's the point of him actually showing up at the Rabbit in Red? Did I miss some sort of a connection? or He just wanted a titty show. His mom obviously worked there in the first one, but with his mom being gone. Uh, retribution. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's no, just... so there's no motive. The, what I did find interesting about this was in the 2018 Halloween, there's a moment where when Myers shows up at the, when he gets close to Lori's house at the end and there's a deputy there. Oh, no, no, this is, I'm sorry, Dr. Sartain. He steps on Dr. Sartain's head and just crushes it like a melon. And it's a pretty striking moment of violence for that movie relative to the other stuff that you see. And then what I thought was interesting in this is it, there's a head stomp. So Myers does a head stomp in this one prior to the 2018 version. Made me wonder about the inclusion of that in the 2018 version. So this is what I wanted to bring up. Having watched this movie and then also Halloween to the original, I suddenly saw a bunch of things that were really reminded me of 
the David Gordon Green trilogy. I really think that that those guys for Halloween, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends did pick a lot of things from the original movies and all of maybe even all of the sequels and just a hodgepodge and like threw them into their movies. Yeah, my question was actually, was this a shout out to Rob Zombie when they made the 2018 version to include the head stomp? I think it might have been, yeah. Yeah. I also think that Corey from Halloween Ends looks a whole lot like Jimmy from Halloween 2, the the EMT. Cool. (laughs) Just just saying. Was that intentional? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? It's Corey. Uh, so then uh, one other big takeaway, right? So Loomis writes this book and Loomis is rising and falling action about the re- about around the release of his book, by the way. He's a fucking manic nut job. And he goes from thinking he's on top of the world to he's ruined because he had one bad performance on a talk show or something like that. It's the fucking stupidest thing. The, the whole book part of this is really annoying. But apparently in the book, what Loomis reveals is that Lori was Michael Meyer's sister. I recall from the first zombie version that I think the sheriff kind of kidnapped the baby, <laughs> basically found the baby and then took it away or somehow put it up for adoption kind of quietly. So no one knew that it had happened. I'm just sort of curious what laws would be broken exactly if Loomis was out there <laughs> publishing this book and <laughs> couldn't Laurie sue him. And no, I mean, uh, I mean uh, it just seems like it's very strange. Oh, by the way, hey, this girl in town is actually Michael Myers' sister. Have at her. Come on. It's like, could you ever actually include that in a book? I don't know. I'm confused by it. You could put it in a book. Well, I think he would be opening himself up to a lawsuit. I'm sure he broke some sort of laws. Right. That Loomis did? Yeah. Or sure. Well, both, actually. So isn't, isn't Loomis exposing the sheriff from his actions from the first film? Yes. Yeah, but that's not, like, illegal. If it's true, it's not illegal. I, I feel like there was an actual adoption process. And those records were sealed. And now Loomis is just writing about this confidential information in his book without getting any sort of permission. Yeah, well, it, I guess it tracks for Loomis's character in terms of him being a dick and all. He, he did say that he was, uh, quote, spoon feeding drivel to the masses. So right. he's, like, he's like calling his own work drivel, which I, I thought was interesting. He, he had a couple of like really great lines like when he was talking to, what was his, his, his book agent? He says... I'm selling the sizzle, not the steak. When I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. Such a dick. It seemed very strange because she seemed like she didn't want him promoting the book. It seemed like the roles were kind of reversed in that relationship. He was talking about promoting it more and she wasn't. She's like, what are you doing? Almost everything related to Loomis in this movie is a total failure. (laughs) It is. Which is kind of funny. The whole Loomis part is a complete wash. And then the whole vision part is a complete wash. Two big chunks of the movie are just like both pointless another reason why the first 23 minutes are so great honestly by comparison (laughs) it wasn't either of those points too right the rest of the movie is a lot of the visions and a lot of the loomis and i don't know and then uh, the Lori character turn here where she's you know weeping reads the book and then all of a sudden she wants to party i'm not me i don't mean you understand the fuck i'm saying i'm angel myers Michael Myers' sister. <laughs> All right, dude, even I wouldn't fucking touch that joke. You can't kid around about that shit. You had me going there. You're such a good little I'm not fucking joking. I want to party. I've spent my whole fucking life being good, and look where it's gotten me. Fucking nowhere. <laughs> Fuck 
Look at you guys. Are you guys with me or not? I just, I think that we should stay back, you know? I mean, what do you need is a mellow night. Oh, yeah, God. definitely. We can just watch TV or something. Yeah, like order some food and figure all this shit out. I want to go party! I want to fucking get drunk. I don't fucking care anymore. Oof, like that, that's a really unfortunate and unearned character turn in this movie. It's just, it's not good at all. It's, it's bad. It's really bad. Couple shots and all of a sudden she, she goes from, oh my God, oh my God, I'm Michael Myers' sister. And being hysterical to like, yeah, let's party. It, it, <laughs> it makes no sense. It's actually one of the worst parts of the movie, honestly. I can see wanting like drink away the misery or something like that, but not turning into like party girl. So. No. No. By the way, so they go as characters from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Just out of curiosity, have you guys seen that movie? What do you think of that movie? I haven't seen it. I have seen it. And I actually kind of like the movie. I mean, I think the soundtrack is really good. It sort of aligns with Rob Zombie. However, it has humor. And what Zombie has is gore and violence. Right. And so I will absolutely watch Rocky Horror Picture Show any day over a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen Rocky Horror Picture. I'm not somebody who loves it or would be going to the midnight showings of it and all that kind of stuff it's um not that kind of a cult movie for me there are a lot of other cult movies i'd rather see such as um blue thunder (laughs) (laughs) blue thunder is not a cult movie oh trust me (laughs) once you rewatch blue thunder it needs to become a cult movie okay all right well i plan to okay um so while laurie's off partying they keep showing Loomis going through his evolution and then he, all of a sudden he shows up on this talk show the Newman Hour so Chris Hardwick is there what is the fucking point of this segment this is out of left field I was actually wondering why Weird Al agreed to be in this and then so I did some research and I found out Chris Hardwick was interviewing Weird Al like a week earlier and Rob Zombie reached out and, and was talking to Chris Hardwick about this this role in the film and and he said you know I, I need a celebrity to interview alongside Loomis and then Chris Hardwick said well you know I just talked to Weird Al I can give him a call they called Weird Al and he said, yeah, I'll be in this. Weird Al had no idea what the movie was about. So he just showed up and did his scene one day's worth of work or whatever it was and then moved on. This movie is not Weird Al branding. So that, that to me is why I find it so shocking that he's in here. <laughs> it was really weird. <laughs> that whole interview was totally weird. I loved it. And I love that he asked uh, Loomis a question and Weird Al answered it. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> He's like, no, I always get permission to do my parody. <laughs> it's so funny. Even Chris Hardwick, I guess I'd call him the leading serial killer. Like he's making a joke out of it. I mean, and this only yeah. happened last yeah. year, right? When this guy like killed a bunch of people <laughs> in the city. I mean, the whole energy and the dynamic around the talk show is not workable. This movie I loved is it. gonzo. It was, it was actually my favorite scene. It's actually almost like for a natural born killers type it's, scene. Oh, that's, that would that, almost, yeah, that's a good call. It actually. kind of it's, works for that yeah, kind the, of uh, the scene, yeah. the Rodney Dangerfield stuff in the beginning. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. Borderline. I, don't know. I think the purpose that it serves, Loomis watches himself on TV later. He realizes just what an asshole he is and that people are making fun of him because he is such an asshole and what he's doing, exploiting the victims and their families is just awful. And that's the point where he realizes that when he's put in the position going to like make save Lori from Michael Myers, that he gets some level of redemption, even though I really don't think he does. But 
I think that's what it's why it's there. Yeah, it's intending to be the moment of his self-realization, I guess. Yeah. Sheriff Brackett sends a deputy over to his house to guard his daughter, and she is unreasonably hostile to this deputy for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> this guy's just trying to protect her. He's there. And she says, what the fuck are you doing here, jackhole? Why? Like, what, what, is the, what is the back history between this deputy and Annie, and why is she so aggressive? It's just, I, I think it was just an opportunity to use some more profane language, honestly. Well, yeah, it didn't seem like she was trying to go out. There wasn't like any, like she was under curfew and she, like this guy was like forcing no, her to stay there or anything like, like that. It's just like, so it's yeah. strange. Very dumb. A couple questions about the party, right? So Lori shows up at a party. First of all, what's with all the random strippers everywhere? Yes, it's just TNA, but why are they at this party? What's going on? It's, it's a very confusing scene. That's like my typical like block party, Halloween oh, block that's party. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I got to come yeah. to your house for Halloween then for sure. <laughs> This is the party, the Halloween party that Rob Zombie would throw for right. himself, right? And now he gets to do it in a movie. That's your only answer. And then my favorite moment of the party. So one of Lori's friends somehow decides she's going to go bang a werewolf dude, hasn't seen his face, and they get in the van. He has to pee. And then she drops a line. I'll be right back in one second. What the fuck are you doing? I gotta take a piss. <laughs> I'm gonna have to pee since I got here. I'll be right back. Don't go to her. So who says I wasn't into the water sports? A little golden shower. That's gross. When that rolled across, <laughs> I was like, wow, that got through the MPAA in terms of like an R rating. Are you kidding me? But what do I know? I, I can't tell like what we're uptight about in this country anymore or not because, yeah, some dude's getting his head sawed off slowly with a piece of glass early and that's fine. I just was surprised by that. Oh, man. Uh, and then when they go back from the party again, Myers is at the party. Myers is suddenly teleporting to Annie's house. Uh, and then when Laurie shows up, we've talked about the fact on this pod multiple times that Melanie Griffith wins the award for playing drunk in Working Girl. She does it the best. Her performance here as someone who's drunk is pretty bad. Hey, world! Guess what? I'm Michael Myers' sister! I'm so fucked! What am I gonna do, dude? <laughs> Just take it one day at a time. It's too big, I guess. It's too too drunk and big, I guess, is how I'm thinking about it. Well, for someone that drunk, she wasn't like slurring her words or like running into things. She was just more like really loud and you jump around. I absolutely love the scene where the deputy goes out to inform the sheriff that the 911 call is coming from, <laughs> from the sheriff's <laughs> house. Because it's, it's laid out like this, sheriff. We received a call. It's an emergency. <laughs> Why don't you run out there and say, holy shit, Sheriff, we got a call from your house. The, the whole way that that's delivered, what's going on here? <laughs> I, I, I thought yeah. the exact same thing. You want to get to the important part of that? <laughs> Pick it up. It's a strange moment of dialogue reading, or apparently that deputy is just not that concerned. A couple last things. So the bathroom attack. So Myers comes in. Again, he's doing some more demolition work on the door. Talked about this, but I do think that Laurie sitting there with Annie and having that moment when Annie dies is actually, I think that's pretty well done. One thing about Zombie is it does allow you to linger in the grim moments a lot. He does. <laughs> I mean, you spend a lot of time there, and that's pretty good. But when she escapes, there's so much Texas Chainsaw Massacre there in terms of her running. It, yep. I don't know if you guys have seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in a long yep. time, but it's at, you know, at the end when she's running down the road. Total Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I know is 
I think it might be Zombie's favorite film, but or it's certainly a point of inspiration. That would explain a lot. (laughs) (laughs) If you look at all of his grimy, nasty hillbilly dudes, they're all the kind of people that are in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, good point. Yeah, Uh, but then you know she runs to the car, and then they have this moment where Myers turns over the car. Yeah, that was. Why do you have him do that exactly? I mean, I know it's like you want to show off his strength that he's that. Powerful. He's strong. He can lift. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're if you're Laurie in that situation, are you just going to sit there and let the car get turned over on you? I mean, uh, c- can't you try to like jump out the door when he's doing the first part of the lift? She was on the other side, so actually with the door wouldn't open. But no, that's the that's, it was all that's fair point. That's fair point. Yeah. yeah, I stopped questioning everything at that point. Yeah. Well, and then <laughs> this is where I mean, from here on out, this is where the movie is just kind of like okay. So Lori gets kidnapped and they go to the farm shack and then apparently she can see the exact same hallucinations that Michael can see. This is where none of this shit works for me. I just think it's really stupid. Yep. I'm trying to understand like what what is zombie implying that she is, is now the proximity to Michael allows her to be psychically linked so she can see his madness or she has her own madness and it just happens to be exactly the same as his. I mean, what's going on here? I guess that's it. Yeah. She's so close now that yeah, she, exactly what you said. She's so far gone that She's now practically him, and she can see the, the same hallucinations. The ending of this movie is bad, because you have Loomis that goes running in there, and his approach as a seasoned therapist is just to start screaming at everybody. I did like that. Stop it! Stop it! Stop! <laughs> <laughs> I could do that, like, as a terrible father. Uh, Dr. Loomis is leading group on Thursday. Oh, fuck, man. He's just going to yell at us. <laughs> oh, man. And then he's dispatched instantly. The entire Loomis arc in this movie has no point whatsoever. It's absolutely pointless. He's a dick and he dies. I guess, you know, if you're a dick, you get killed. Is that that the message for Loomis? I don't know. They even like help Lori, like buy time for her so she could escape or anything stupid like that. He just gets killed. And the whole thing about her, like being, she's being held down psychically. That's in her head. So she's being, she's holding herself to the floor. And I don't know. It's all just garbage, hot garbage. It really is. He gets shot, he falls back, he's impaled on some stuff. And suddenly she goes, I love you, brother. Makes no sense. I just like, what? She accepted being part of their little ghost family. Just so weird. All of a sudden, I love you, brother. And then she kills him. And then puts on the mask. You're like, oh my God. When she walked out wearing Michael's mask, I actually laughed. (laughs) I knew she was going to do it. I can just tell. She's going to come out and she's going to be wearing the mask. And she was. I laughed because it was so ridiculous and over the top, but also because Tyler Maine has a huge head. Right. And that mask is enormous. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? You remember the first zombie Halloween, the scene where the little kid puts on the mask and, and he's coming down the hallway. Mm-hmm. It massively disproportions the head in relation yeah. to the rest of the body. And so while that's supposed to be a scary moment, because it's the first time he puts on the mask, it was hilarious to me. Like I bust out laughing when I saw that. Yeah. So my question was actually, how bad does that mask smell? <laughs> Got to be pretty awful. I mean, it's been on his face for a year, potentially. He's been eating dog meat. He's not brushing his teeth. He's not taking a shower. Could you actually put that mask on without puking? Probably not. She was in rough shape at that point. I just wanted to say, like, this is a good point to talk about something that we didn't talk about earlier. Yeah. Which is the music. Oh, so that's exactly where I'm going. Great. We get to the end, and she's in... This, you know, what looks like this hallway <laughs> room. Uh, very long room. Very long room, yeah. So I, I assume that all that is, I just, uh, she's having a hallucination. So I 
let go of the fact that the real estate for individual rooms are probably not going to be like you know, 900 square feet, 10 feet wide, whatever. It's a, it's a nice eight by you know 70 room. <laughs> right. It's eight by 70. The scariest part of this movie kicks in. <laughs> and what is it? It's the elements of the original Halloween theme that you start to hear. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, that, I had a reaction to that. Me too. I got chills. That music still has an effect on me. But the rest of the score in this movie, there are very few traditional Halloween elements. And honestly, if you go back and watch the original, that's one of the things that makes it such an amazing movie is Carpenter's score. Yeah, I thought the music or the score in this movie was extremely underwhelming. And by playing a few strains of the original score at the end, it actually shows you how much you've missed there. That was it for the movie in terms of Carpenter's music. I thought it was a huge disappointment. Again, if you want to have this movie feel like Halloween, you need to have that music and it wasn't there. So I just, you know, I I just blame Rob Zombie and his vision because I think he gutted any semblance of a Halloween movie. Like we've been saying, he just made a gory movie, a slasher movie, and it just happened to have some... About an angry drifter, the malevolent hobo. Yeah. It just happened to have some (laughs) Halloween characters in it. He says that they just couldn't find any good places to insert the music. It it just didn't feel right. It's because he had no tension. He didn't allow for any moment to be quiet enough to play the music. You know, like it's just... It's just bad. Yeah, this movie has some jump scares, but it's otherwise tension-free, this entire movie. Yeah, it's just far more angry and, and unpleasant than tension. Right. All right, well, anything, uh, any other scenes or anything else you guys want to say about the movie itself? Um, I was happy to see the end credits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did think it was kind of strange, even through all of that, and like sort of an intense dislike watching this movie. When I heard the piano keys with that Carpenter theme, I literally got chills. Yeah, me too. Exact same thing. I mean, that shows the power of that original score, which is yeah. just amazing. I'll, I'll set up a speaker at our house on Halloween, you know, because I usually do some level of decorating and I'll put on those scary music channels. And one of the things that they cycle through every once in a while, they'll just play the Halloween theme. It shows up. And on Halloween night, when the Halloween theme suddenly starts blaring out of a speaker in my house, it's a little <laughs> unnerving. <laughs> Dude, what was unnerving was I was watching this movie, you know, at night and I had all the lights off and stuff. Right in the middle of it, Emily comes in. She's like kind of scared. I heard something in the driveway, like something's something's trying to get over the gate. And like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And I was like, <laughs> like I was not scared by the movie. But when she came in and then and said that, and then I was like, oh my God. I'm like, okay, don't, don't worry. I'm like, let me go. Don't worry. It's fine. I'll go out and look. And, and, and running through my mind, I'm like, that's just what they do in the movies. I was going to say, you, way, way to go, dumb shit. I'm going to be that guy who gets killed. Uh, Marcus, I guess it's just going to be you and me potting going forward because Colin is uh, apparently a character in a horror movie. Colin, what did you learn from this movie? Nothing. Uh, I learned that I will never watch another Rob Zombie movie, I think. All right. Marcus, what did you learn from this movie? I learned if you see a crazy big seven foot tall man wearing a mask, much like Happy Fun Ball, do not taunt him. (laughs) That was going to be the same, my my exact same learning, which is I will not call oversized psychopaths with decaying masks on their face dirty hippies. I won't do it. (laughs) I'll just keep walking. All right. um, I guess closing thoughts and a letter grade. Well, I guess this movie has Michael Myers and uh, the rest of the townspeople, but replaces the suspense and eerie music with tons of gore and 
Zombie puts in his own musical sensibilities and, you know, neither which I really enjoyed. And so it's just, he's got this fantasy version uh, or his fantasy version of the world is not a place that I ever want to visit. I was strongly considering giving this an F, but I'll, I'll give it a D plus. You give it the plus. Uh, my closing thoughts, don't watch this movie. Uh, it adds nothing to the Halloween legacy. It doesn't adhere to any of the mystique of Michael Myers. Um, and it doesn't follow any of the rules Carpenter established. Even if you ignore the Halloween aspect of it, I think it's still just a mediocre horror movie and doesn't make much sense with this mystical spirits, possession, white horse, hallucinations. All of it is just bad. And don't watch it. Skip this movie. I gave the letter grade D. Can I can I change mine to D minus? I feel like <laughs> I feel like that sounds better than D plus. Okay. I, I realize D plus is like really close to C minus, and well, that's yeah, you know, no. can't do that. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I guess I will say that this is a horror movie. It's not a Halloween movie. I liked Zombies remake a lot better than I like this one. The horse Mambo Jahambo just does not work for me at all. Like all the vision shit. Like I just think that that's ludicrous. I think the Laurie character turn. into the party girl and all that is total bullshit. However, I do think the first 23 to 25 minutes of this movie are actually pretty well done. I can at least appreciate on some level that Zombie was taking a swing at doing something truly different because if you look at the progression from Halloween 4, 5 to 6, it's basically kind of all the same movie again and again. Halloween 5 and 6 are, I would say, probably worse than this movie. Halloween 6 is a batshit weird movie, so kind of like this movie, there's some I don't know, appreciation, I guess, for just the weirdness of it, but I will give this movie a D plus. That's my grade for this movie. If you're going to watch a Halloween movie, maybe watch the original Halloween, maybe consider Halloween 2 if you want, but you could actually watch the original Halloween movie, you could watch the 2018 version, and then just close it out there. (laughs) That's your entire Halloween experience. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to do. I like that, actually. Just watch Halloween, and then watch Halloween 2018. Yep. And then just avoid everything else. Yep, that, that might not be a bad idea. So I am interested in what's going to happen going forward. As I mentioned, the Akkads are going to be auctioning off the rights again to make more movies in this universe. And uh, I think A24 is apparently one of the top bidders, and they've done some pretty interesting horror films. So That could be interesting. So that, that might actually be interesting. And by the way, for anybody who's out there who's working on this, I have the sequel idea. I really do. It's a good one. Come track me down. I have an outline and everything. I'm telling you, it's good. Marcus, what's the next movie we're going to watch? Uh, we are going to watch a 2005 Shane Black directed movie, Kiss Kiss Bang Oh, Bang. awesome. Love that movie. Okay. I haven't seen it. Uh, we talked about it. Maybe when we talked about Gray Man, we had mentioned uh, Shane Black and we mentioned uh, Ryan Gosling. They worked together on Nice Guys and I hadn't seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So let's watch it. Be fun. I, I was pushing hard for that one. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Okay. So the, the good news is we'll be back with a much better movie on our next podcast. <laughs> <So> yeah. <laughs> a movie that Big we're all going to recommend you do watch because... Shane Black's command of character and dialogue is much, much better. It's it's up there for me. I enjoy it. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation about Halloween. This is our fifth Halloween film we've done on the pod. (laughs) My apologies, guys. But uh, thank you for indulging me. Uh, And I think our general sentiment is, yeah, if you haven't already seen this, don't run to watch it. And uh, and maybe just don't watch it at all. I don't know. But you know what? Here's the thing, zombie. Please find someone else to write your material. Just try it one time, man. Just just find a good horror writer and you do the visuals and direct what's on the page. You got some talent when it comes to visuals and gore and all that kind of stuff, but 
Maybe not on the writing front. So I don't Dave, know. Just he's just, just going to take that script and turn all the characters into like circus freaks, and it's just not going to work. I can hope because I I do find his visuals pretty interesting. Honestly, I think he has some skill there. He has a movie called The Devil's Rejects that I would recommend if you are a horror fan. It's not a pleasant movie. <laughs> <laughs> not a pleasant movie. It's honestly kind of a tough sit, but as a horror movie, I think it's actually really well done. And then he made a sequel for that called Three from Hell that I got exactly seven minutes into and had to turn off. So um, <laughs> so if you're going to watch any Rob Zombie movie, I would say that the Halloween remake, the first one he did is actually worth watching. And then maybe The Devil's Rejects. And then I'm not sure about anything else. Personally, I just can't wait until he finally does uh, Rob Zombie Presents a Serbian film. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Well... That's an interesting note to end on, but we'll end there. So, uh, and with that, this is the DMC Movie Podcast signing off. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. 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 I like how no one has a Halloween line to drop in there. Uh, just a huge sigh. Colin, did you add the uh, Natural Born Killers? It, it's a red horse, Natural Born Killers, not a white horse. Uh, no, <laughs> that wasn't. That was not it. It was, um, so yeah, my question was, of course I can't find it here in my, I in, see angels, in, in, Mickey. in my notes, but yeah. Um, so, uh, is there, is there a nod to natural born killers somewhere in this movie? And no, it was not a red horse. It was, um, the Australian reporter who is interviewing Loomis. Is that a nod to Wayne Gale? Uh, Wayne Gale. Wayne Gale. Wayne Gale. Uh, Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that she was Australian. Inside this school are three inhuman teaching monsters. The ones running this game. You gotta know who your real enemies are. Now I'm going in there to waste some teachers. Are you with me? Oh my God!